October is Fire Prevention Month in Ganawage, and in this episode of the Your Day Wednesday Front Page Podcast, we talked to Captain Wissa Stacey of the Ganawage Fire Brigade about tips to keep you and your family safe from fires. Eagle's Nest Convenience and LaFleur's Restaurant, located on Route 207. Eagle's Nest, open daily from 8 to 11. Pick up something fresh from their deli counter. Open 8 to 6 on weekdays and 10 to 5 on Saturdays. And while you're out, grab some takeout or call in for delivery at LaFleur's Restaurant. Open 11 to 7 from Sunday to Wednesday and 11 to 8 from Thursday to Saturday. All your needs in one convenient location. October is Fire Prevention Month here in Ganawage, and we're sitting here talking with Captain Wisse Stacy of the Ganawage Fire Brigade about some uh, about the the activities of the month and the importance of being aware of of fires and fire hazards. Good afternoon, good day, good morning, uh, Wisse. So, can we just talk about where where, where you want to start? Thank you for having me, Greg. Uh, it's it's great to be here. And um, fire safety every October. The uh, Ganawage Fire Brigade puts out uh, a fair amount of, amount of information. I think with the pandemic still either on the back of everybody's mind or for some it's still right there in the front, uh, a lot of people are home. They're trying to stay safe. I know for myself, I'm home quite often just because I don't want to be out in the general public because of what my job is. You know, it's frontline work is can be very, fairly difficult. So with this year's campaign, we've decided that we want to concentrate on most importantly with what's it, what's dangerous in the home and how to keep yourself safe and uh, in case something does happen what can you do so for for the most part one of the most important things you could probably have in your home is a smoke alarm a lot of people talk about uh, there's all kinds of different kinds out there. I've, I get questions all the time about what's the right smoke alarm for your house? Uh, what, should I have this? Should I have that? Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of different types of alarms out there. So I'm going to start off very simple. You need a smoke alarm. There's the photoelectric type or there's, there's the ionization type, okay? This is usually the question I get asked the most. What type is better than the other? There's no such thing, okay? Both are equal. Uh, it's a matter of how one works versus the other. So very quickly, I'll explain the photoelectric one works with a light emitting diode, an LED, and it's housed in this very tiny little chamber where smoke will make its way into that chamber. And when the sensor directly across from it doesn't pick up the same amount of light as it did previously, it'll trigger the sensor and set off the alarm. Okay, so this is, it's fairly sensitive and it, it works well, a lot of people might even use it as a cooking timer. <laughs> that doesn't mean actually do it. The other type, the ionization uh, smoke alarms, uh, work relatively with the same concept, except in this case, you have two metal plates and you have a very, very small amount of radioactive material inside this chamber. And for everybody out there listening, when I say radioactive, you probably, you know, red lights start blinking in your head and it's not dangerous. This is not a bad thing. This is a very, very small amount of radioactive material, and it doesn't even penetrate the exterior of the smoke alarm. So as long as your smoke alarm is still fully intact, it's fine. Okay. So the smoke will enter this chamber. And when the two plates on the sides of it no longer sense what's there, the, I, I don't know exactly what the function is. The alarm again will trigger. These plates will trigger the sensor and the alarm will go off. So it's not quite as sensitive as the photoelectric one, but it's still just as good. 
you also have different types of power sources, okay? Every household needs to have at the very minimum one smoke alarm that is connected to your household electricity. That is by code, okay? So you, you would need to call an electrician. They would come in and install a wire to your electrical panel and run it to wherever you choose to put this one uh, smoke alarm. But there's nothing saying you can't have more than just one like that. In my house, I have three. And the great part about having these types of uh, alarms is that when one goes off, whenever one triggers for whatever reason, all three of them will go off. So I have one on each floor in my house. That includes the basement. A lot of people don't include the basement. And more importantly, the alarm that I have has a battery backup. So if the electricity does go off and everybody's out there saying, well, what happens when the electricity goes off? Dual power. Okay, so electricity, household electricity, as well as the typical nine volt battery. So every six months, I need to make sure that I change those batteries and all three of them. Okay. Now you should have more than just those three. You should have them at least one on every floor. You should have one in every bedroom and one just outside the bedrooms. So in, again, in my case, the second floor in my house is all bedrooms. So I have three up there, but the two in the bedrooms are battery powered. Okay, there's just battery connected to that. And that was just, I chose to be a little bit cheaper that day, I guess. I, I really don't know. That was quite a while ago when I made, made those decisions. Another type that they have now, it's relatively new, and some people might question how, how reliable it is, but there is a 10-year sealed battery inside smoke alarms. This type of alarm has only been in the market for maybe three or four years, maybe a little bit longer. Every smoke alarm is supposed to be replaced after 10 years. So the battery does actually last longer than that. I think they've said that they're probably good for about 15 years. However, the alarm itself is no longer good after 10 years. I still see a fair amount of alarms in the houses that are, they've probably been painted over, they're covered in dust for whatever reason, and they're probably about 15 or 20 years old. And there's no guarantee that those are going to work. They should be replaced every 10 years at a minimum. Talking a lot about, you know, earlier before we went on about the sounds of fires and the sounds of, of everything. And I mean, what if, uh, you know, now what happens, uh, you know, when the smoke alarm goes off and, and you have a fire, what should people do and how should they handle it? Yeah, this, this is another good question. One of the biggest calls that we get uh, for the, uh, we call it the officer in charge, where we just send one, one officer to, uh, to a house once, once their smoke alarm goes off. And a lot of times it's, it's generally people who don't know what's going on. The, their alarm is going off, but uh, they don't see any smoke. And, and okay, that's, that's fine. So very quickly, when an alarm goes off, it, it does one of two things. Number one, it'll go into a, uh, what I'm going to call a maintenance mode. Okay, It senses that the battery inside this detector is dying. It's no longer meeting a minimum voltage required. So all that means is that either the battery needs to be changed or the smoke alarm is no longer good. Okay. The sound that it's going to make in this case is one or two very short chirps, maybe every 30 seconds. It might be every two minutes. It might be every five or six minutes. Okay. It all depends on the manufacturer. And I, I unfortunately, I don't know the specifics to each manufacturer. If you get an alarm that goes off, that is either a continuous beep or it's three short beeps, but again, continuous, 
That means your smoke alarm is now in alarm mode and it's now sensing something in the building that's causing it to trigger. Okay, this is when it's, it means it's an emergency. Okay, now again, a lot of times you see, we get these calls where they're not quite sure what's going on. It's, it keeps beeping, it keeps alarming, they're not sure why. So they call us and in the meantime, they, start, they might start looking around the building and they don't see any smoke. They don't really have no idea what's going on. It's very possible that your alarm is just too old now. It's important to remember that because it works on external factors, everybody has dust in their home. And once you get a sufficient amount of dust inside of these things, it may trigger false alarms. And it could be time just to change your, your alarm, even though it's not 10 years old. So going back to your original question, when these things do go off and it is truly an emergency, you need to make sure that you get out of the house. Okay, there might be the, the one or two households where you see somebody is a little bit more uh, proactive and they're, they're going to look around the house. They have the extinguisher at the ready, but they don't see any true reason that they need to, to call, either call the fire department or to, to evacuate the house. Okay, if you choose to do this and, and look through your house, you need to remember that you don't know what's there. You're not trained to see what's there. And most importantly, you may not have the equipment that you need if there truly is a fire. So just because you don't see smoke doesn't mean that there isn't a fire. There's a reason why your detector is picking something up. So you, you have to be ready for that. If your alarm goes off in emergency mode, please get out of the house. Okay. Every house should have some form of a plan. Whether you choose to put it on paper or not in a much more formal plan is entirely up to you, but I think it does make a lot, a lot, an awful lot more sense to put it on paper to make sure everybody knows what it is. A lot of times you learn better when you read. So if you see it on paper, the odds are you'll probably remember it much better. You need to make sure you have a meeting place. If you have three, four, five people in the house and you all go to five different places, you're not all going to know that each other got out. I've seen this on two or three occasions already where they don't know where somebody is. And what that tells the firefighter showing up is we need to get into that house. We need to find so-and-so who's, who's missing. And it turns out they're, they're just at the tree in the backyard instead of the tree in the front yard. Okay. And it, it can be really that, that simple to, to be confused. One occasion I showed up to a house fire, it was about two in the morning. I showed up, I was literally the first person there. And the first thing I said to the homeowner who was already standing outside is, is everybody out? The person actually did not know that the daughter was sleeping at a friend's house. Now, thankfully, before the fire trucks got there, we found out exactly where this girl was and we didn't have to, to go inside. Had that girl been inside, there's a very good chance that she probably would have succumbed to the fire. So it's important to understand who's in the house, that everybody knows where to go and you all have that same meeting place. So at that point you can say, everybody's out. Now we need to call for help. Okay, don't worry about grabbing your cell phone, about grabbing the pictures on the wall. Get out. Fire grows fast. It, it, it can be as little as two minutes 
before it's too late to get out because everybody has a different amount of material in their house and fire grows exponentially. Okay. It grows very fast. So it's, it's important to get out, have your plan of where you're going to meet and make sure you know where to call and when. You know, you guys are doing the Gunwalker Fire Brigade is doing a lot of education this month about fire prevention and what are some of the other things that, that you guys are doing? You guys going into schools or, or is that not happening now because of the, the pandemic? It's, it's unfortunate, yeah, the, because of that whole pandemic thing. Uh, every year we did go into the schools. We have a, a nice, uh, it's like a, I think it's a four floor fire safety house where it shows the different typical dangers inside the house. Like somebody's got an extension cord to a power bar, to uh, another power bar connected to a computer, connected to a stove. It, it shows these examples and it shows what it actually should look like. And this is, it's a really interactive house. It's quite cool. It comes with a little remote and you see actual smoke and whoever's, whoever's giving this presentation can, can really show. And it, it, the kids love these things because it, it makes funny noises and there's like, it's fake flames, but uh, an alarm actually goes off. It, it really teaches at a young age, the, the engagement that you, that you get from these kids is really great. And then they, they just want to, they want to see what's going on. So that's one of the things that we, we've done over the past few years since I've started doing these things regular. One of the other things, especially with the, the younger step-by-step, -step, nursery, kindergarten age children, stop, drop, and roll. Uh, at, at that age, you can't really teach them much about fire safety. You still need to know the importance of you know, not sticking things in the electrical outlets, but it, it's hard to teach them. And unless they're actually doing it, I think it's fairly difficult to do. So getting them to do stop, drop, and roll. Uh, one, of, one of the uh, fire prevention presentations I heard, they used a blanket. And the idea was that these kids had to roll under the blanket and pretend that it was smoke. And they loved it. They were cheering and they, they were so excited. It was great. It was a really good presentation that year. They, they really liked that one. But yeah, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we're trying to stay out of the schools. We will still be distributing the same materials that we have every year. Uh, if we can't get into the school, at least it's still very important to make sure we get the word out and how the, how the teachers interact with them, how the uh, parents follow up with that afterwards is up to them. But just, you know, get, get that word out there, get the material to them to, so that they know. And why is, is October Fire Prevention Month? Okay, so th this is actually a, a very, I, th I thought it was a bit of a funny story. Back in 1871, there was a, there was a small fire. I believe they call it the Great Chicago Fire. As the story goes, I don't know if this story was actually confirmed, but this is really what they believe had happened. Back in Chicago, 1871, October 8th, uh, sorry, October 7th, on the evening of October 7th, Mrs. O'Leary, and, and this honestly is the truth, Mrs. O'Leary was milking her cow in the barn one evening. Be because it's 1871, there's no electricity, so she had a small lantern on the side, and the cow kicked this lantern over. Because of the construction materials at the time and uh, what sanitation was at the time, what they ended up, uh, this, this small lantern falling over ended up lighting the hay in the barn on fire, which eventually set the barn on fire, which eventually set the house on fire, which, it, you know, it was a giant snowball effect. And because of the fact that they used hay in the streets to keep the dust down, Chicago at the time happened to be under a drought, there's, there's so many factors that, that led to it, but the short of the story is 
October 8th every year because of this great Chicago fire that burned one mile by four miles wide, displacing just over 100,000 people at the time, which, which in 1871 is fairly significant. They hold fire prevention week every year on the week that October 8th falls on. So there's, there's the story. Okay, and, and then in, in Ganawagi, we, because we can't just be follow, follow things, uh, we, we make it a little bit more. Uh, we, we do a whole month. We do a whole month. It's, this is, I think this is a pretty important topic. We need to get more, more word out there. And I don't think one week is enough to, to truly get everybody who, who needs to be involved. You know, the, it's just not feasible to get to them all. Uh, we try to get to, to the schools every year, and if we only did it for a week, we might make it to one. You know, if we get in all the classes at Cattery School, that's a week right there. So I think it's important that we stretch it out a little bit, and, uh, you know, we got to be us. we got to be Ganawaga Hirono. No? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything else you, you want to add uh, that we didn't cover? Actually, it's, it's uh, a bit of a quote that I wanted to add, and you might even find it in, the, in uh, one, of, one of those articles in, in your Iwaze. It's important to make sure that you learn the sounds of fire safety because one day it actually could be your life that's saved. So knowing what your smoke alarm sounds like, knowing what to do when that smoke alarm goes off, and ensure that your kids know. Okay. A couple of questions I got over the years is, can you teach my kids about fire prevention? And I told the family, make sure that the kids know what the smoke alarm sounds like and what it means. And from that point on, I think they're good to go. Okay, go. Uh, yeah. go, everyone, for listening, and be sure to be on the lookout for our other podcasts, including Yuriuze Profiles with Abigail Jacobs and Movement is Benison with Mark Lalonde. This project has been made possible by the Community Media Strategic Support Fund, offered jointly by the Official Language Minority Community Media Consortium and the Government of Canada. and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of your DWSA and its employees.